Our scripture this morning comes from Leviticus chapter 16. Um, in the Pew Bible, you can find that on page 112. We are going to read verses 1 through 34, also known as the entire chapter. I only do that because you love Leviticus so much, right? Um, I can tell because every week the number of people multiply to come and hear about Leviticus. It's really happening. Um, so, so we're going to be here, and we're going to do a whole chapter today, uh, page 112 on the Pew Bible. And as, as we're reading along, right, we sang the song, Good, Good Father, and, and we understand God to be holy, and so that's what it, we understand good, good to mean when we say Father. Um, but in there, we also sing that, that um, we are loved by him. It's who we are. And so as we read the entirety of chapter, of chapter 16 of Leviticus. Hold that in your thoughts as we read this together, uh, and, and I promise we'll all make sense here at the end today. So here in Leviticus 16, it is written, The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they drew near before the Lord and died, and the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, your brother, not to come at any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat that is on the ark so that he may not die. For I will appear in the cloud over the mercy seat, but in this way Aaron shall come into the holy place with a bull from the herd for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall put on the holy linen coat and shall have the linen undergarment on his body. And he shall tie the linen sash around his waist and wear the linen turban. These are the holy garments. He shall bathe his body in water and then put them on. And he shall take from the congregation of the people of Israel two male goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. Then he shall take the two goats and set them before the Lord at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And Aaron shall cast lots over the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for Azazel. And Aaron shall present the goat on which the lot fell for the Lord and use it as a sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell for Azazel shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement over it, that it may be sent away into the wilderness of Azazel. Aaron shall present the bull as a sin offering for himself and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall kill the bull as a sin offering for himself and he shall take a censer full of coals of fire from the altar of the Lord and two handfuls of sweet incense beaten small and he shall bring it inside the veil and put the incense on the fire before the Lord that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is over the testimony, so that he does not die. And he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the front of the mercy seat and on the east side and in front of the mercy seat. He shall sprinkle some of the blood with his fingers seven times. Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people. 
and bring its blood inside the veil and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, sprinkling it over the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. Thus he shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleanliness of the people of Israel and because of their transgressions, all their sins. And so he shall do for the tent of meeting, which dwells with them in the midst of their uncleanliness. No one may be in the tent of meeting from the time he enters to make atonement in the holy place until he comes out and has made atonement for himself and his house and for all the assembly of Israel. Then he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it. And he shall take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the altar all around. And he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his fingers seven times and cleanse it and consecrate it from the uncleanliness of the people of Israel. And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place and the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall present the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgressions, all their sins. And he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness. The goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area, and he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness." Then Aaron shall come into the tent of meeting and shall take off the linen garment that he has put on when he went in the holy place, and he shall leave them there. And he shall bathe his body in water in a holy place and put on his garments and come out and offer his burnt offering and the burnt offering of the people and make atonement for himself and for the people. And the fat of the sin offering he shall burn at the altar. And he who lets the goat go to Azazel shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water. And afterward, he may come back into the camp. And the bull for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering, whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place, shall be carried outside the camp. Their skin and their flesh and their dung shall be burned up with fire. And he who burns them shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water and afterward may come into the camp. And it shall be a statute to you forever that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict yourselves and shall do no work, either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. For on this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord from all your sins. It is a Sabbath of solemn rest to you, and you shall afflict yourselves. It is a statute forever. And the priest who is anointed and consecrated as priest in his father's place shall make atonement, wearing the holy linen garments. He shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary, and he shall make atonement for the tent of meeting and for the altar, and he shall make atonement for the priests and for all the people of the assembly. And this shall be a statute forever for you, that atonement may be made for the people of Israel once in the year because of all their sins. And Aaron did as the Lord commanded Moses. Here ends the reading of God's word. If you would please join me in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts 
Be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We try to avoid Leviticus in our readings, right? It pops up in our, if we're doing an annual reading of the Bible, it pops up and, and, and we groan, right? It's a lot. There's sacrifices, there's blood, there's bulls, there's fat, there's skin, there's dung, there's requirements for this and for that. There's stuff made out of linen and then there's a lot of bathing going on, right? And who knows where Azazel actually is, right? And what that means. And, and so we tend to avoid it. But the truth is that Leviticus itself, for Christians, holds a key to unlocking a fuller understanding of the sacrifice Christ has made for us. So today, because we don't know the, the day, the hour, or the year that we will take our final breath, I'm going to bring a message to you in the same vein that the Puritan preacher Richard Baxter would preach when he said, I will preach as sure to never preach again as a dying man preaching to dying men and women. For you see, my calling is here at First Christian Church of the Beaches. It, it, I am called to be your pastor. And what that means is I am called to shepherd you in the gospel in all of your daily living and to equip you for the ministry the Lord has called you to in this world. But I also have a calling from God to be a herald for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Above all else, I preach Christ crucified. Above all else, as Peter says, there is no name given under heaven by which men must be saved. See, as a preacher, it's, it's easy to move off of the gospel. Well, they've heard it here before. They, they come to church. Surely they know the gospel of Jesus. It's easy to move off of it because as, as preachers, if we're preaching the gospel every Sunday, for us, maybe we're thinking, well, this is, this, I did this last week and I did it the week before. Let's, let's find something else. Scripture is full of other things, Right? Surely there's a message in here and how we can get through the struggles of daily life. Or, or, or maybe, you know, I saw a movie that I could take a cool clip from and relate that in attempts to be relevant. Because, because I want to keep you coming back and I want to keep you interested. But at what cost does it come? Now, over the last five years, I, I confess that at best I've made faint attempts to include the gospel in every message brought forth. And, and there were Sundays where I was left saying, if you've heard nothing else today, hear this now. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And this proves God's love for us. But I come to you today with with an urgency, because the gospel of Jesus is an urgent message, because we don't know that day, that hour in which we will take our final breath here on this earth. And as the scripture says, there is no other name other than Jesus for us to be saved under. Jesus himself says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. 
So I don't want you to leave uninformed. I also believe that, that in being consistent and constant in proclaiming the gospel from the pulpit on Sunday mornings helps all of us because we all need to hear the gospel not on a weekly basis, but on a daily basis. For the devil is quick in our ears to try and distract us and tempt us and to tell us other lies. And by hearing it consistently and constantly, the hope is that when someone asks one of us about why you have the hope you have, you are prepared with an answer it is because of the gospel of Jesus and that you're able to lead in your households and in your neighborhoods and your community that you are able to share the very message of Jesus Christ and in its transforming power and how it is all because of what God has done because here in Leviticus it says this that on that day of atonement they were to do nothing it was a Sabbath day they could do no work and so as their sins are being forgiven and atoned for they are doing nothing but providing the very sin that needs to be covered that's what we bring to the table See, here in Leviticus, it talks a lot about atonement, that, that Aaron will go in, that the high priest will go in, and with this blood, it makes atonement for. And, and, and the word atonement comes from the Hebrew word kafar, and it literally means to cover up, to cover up. And, it, and it's meant to cover up offenses, to cover up sins and transgressions. We could go a lot of directions with our scripture today. We had 34 verses of a very long chapter in Leviticus. We can have many wonderings like, where is Azazel? Why is one goat alive and one goat dead? Right? How come all of these other people have to bathe? How do they select the man who will be ready to take the goat out into the wilderness and the other one who gets to dispose of the blood and all of the rest? There's a lot of different questions and, that we can come up with, and those are meant for more individual Bible studies. But here within this, as I told you, if at the very core, the very core, what is unlocked for us is a message of God's loving mercy for you. For you see, we remember here in Leviticus that God is holy. God is, is, is perfect without sin, and God is, is just and righteous. And, and, and our God, who is so holy, stands in stark contrast to us who are filled with sin and rebellion against our great creator. You see, our sin goes to the core. It's David, who's a man after God's own heart, in Psalm 51, confesses before the Lord, from the moment I was born, I've been filled with sin. This is a man after God's own heart. See, there's several things we do with the sin in our lives and our sin nature. There's, there's parts of it that we attempt to celebrate and, and, and show off because if we can make it normalized within the world, then maybe that's not something I need to change from. But there's other parts of it that we try and hide and conceal on our own and, and, and attempts to make God not know what's really in our hearts. 
These are futile attempts. For God is all-knowing. He knows our hearts. He's searched our hearts. We aren't very successful in hiding up our sin. For you see, it's our sin against God that makes us unholy, impure, unclean, defiled. These are the words we get and the understanding we get from God here in Leviticus as he talks to Israel. And it's God who is holy, who can't stand that his people would be so defiled, right? Understand this, God is holy and we're defiled. And it's God who can't stand that we're defiled. It's not us that can't stand that we're defiled and filled with sin. It's God who can't stand it. And so it's God who provides this sacrificial system to his people so that they may be cleansed, so that they can be in a right relationship with God, their father, their creator who has chosen them. God designed this. Not because they didn't enjoy their own defilement, but because God couldn't stand that his people, whom he dearly loved, would be so defiled. And so not only does he give them the sacrificial system in our scripture today, we get the day of atonement. The day of atonement, it's the one day of year the high priest goes into the holy place, the holy of holies. It's where God dwells in the tabernacle. It's the holy of holies within the temple when it becomes a permanent place. It's the place where he goes to make the atonement, to cover up the sins of all of Israel. And they're covered up. They're given forbearance. Forbearance being that they are covered up, but for a time, and they will come due again. For you see, in the statute, we read that this was to be once a year. Once a year, the high priest goes into the holy place to make this atonement. And they were covered up and they were good with God and would remain his people for another year. And it required a high priest to continue to go before God and make an atonement for them. Hebrews chapter 9 and 10 are some of the best commentaries we can find on chapter 16 in Leviticus. There the author tells us that, that we have in Jesus a great high priest. Not in the order of Aaron, because in the order of Aaron, the high priest would only live for a certain amount of time and then they would pass away. But Jesus comes in the order of Melchizedek, who has no end. That Jesus, who is our great high priest, is not going to pass away. And so he goes as our great high priest and he makes atonement for us. Not with an animal sacrifice, but with his own life. He gives of it willingly on the cross and his blood is shed to make atonement, to cover up our sin. So that our holy, righteous, just, loving God is not disgusted by our 
defilement from our sin, but enjoys us because of the righteousness of Jesus. So we get this beautiful gift that when Jesus dies on the cross and we're covered up by his blood, we don't receive forbearance. We receive forgiveness. And this is an eternal designation. And it's only under the name of Jesus that we can be saved. It's only Jesus. There is no other way. For here's what happens, because, because here's what God is doing in this. This is where Leviticus really starts to unlock some things for us. As we read it in verses 11 through 19, there's lots of things that Aaron's doing. He's sprinkling the blood of the bull and the blood of the goat, and he's sprinkling it on the mercy seat and in front of the ark, and he's sprinkling it on, on the tent of meeting and the tabernacle of the holy place and on the altar. And it says to, to make an atonement for the holy place. God makes it clear that this tent of meeting, this tabernacle, as they're in the wilderness, is something that they roll up and carry along with them. And so Israelites are carrying this sinful Israelites are getting their disgusting, defiled, uncleaned, uncleaned sin all over God's dwelling place. The priests who enter into it, while yes, there is sin offerings and burnt offerings and grain offerings and all of these offerings made, they are still sinful human people and their sin is getting inside God's dwelling place. And so on the day of atonement, God has it cleaned up because God is holy and requires a holy dwelling place. But you see, there's no longer a tabernacle. There's no longer a temple in Jerusalem. And so Paul writes to the Ephesians. And there in the first chapter, beginning in verse 7, he says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. Paul's reminding us that we are unclean, impure, defiled, and sinful. But now, because of Christ, because of his sacrifice, because of the shedding of his blood, we are covered before God. We are made clean, we are undefiled, and we stand without our sin in judgment before a holy and just God. Our great high priest has made this sacrifice. You see, his blood covers our sins forever. There's not another sacrifice to be made. There's not another high priest coming on our behalf. It is Jesus the Christ, our Lord and Savior, and him alone. And now, get this, and now, because we have been cleansed by his blood on the day of Pentecost, God sends his spirit to dwell in us. Are you tracking with me here on this? 
it's this. God, who is holy, desires a holy dwelling place. The tabernacle and the temple are no more. The blood of Jesus has cleansed you and covered you. And God himself in his spirit is living and dwelling within you now. You are God's dwelling place. God is not dead. God is is not distant. There's not a room in a place that we have to go behind a curtain to seek him out. There's not someone we send on our behalf. But God, in his love for us, has come to clean us and dwell in us. Because through Christ we're forgiven. Through his blood our sins are forgiven. Right? We're made into his dwelling place. Paul writes to the Corinthians. He says, or do you not know? Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? You are not your own for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Our God is so good. Our God is so loving and so merciful that we were okay in our sin. Right? That's what Paul writes. While we were yet sinners, while we're off rebelling against God, while we're perfectly okay with being in control and whatever comes next may be what comes next. God, in his love for you, sent Jesus. And he cleaned our hearts up. Gave us new ones. We're born again so that he would have a dwelling place, not behind some curtain, but in your heart. You get God. You get God. Folks, you get God forever. He's not taking it away. He's not going anywhere. He is there with you now and forever. This is it, folks. You get God. And so it is to live our lives and to take care of ourselves because we are doing this all for God's glory. He did all of the heavy lifting, every bit of it. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Paul continues, and this proves God's love for us. Amen.